Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Michael Bratton of That SEC Podcast, friend of the show, does a great job covering all things in the SEC, especially college football. And Mike, as always, appreciate you joining us, man. How are you doing this afternoon? Yeah, doing great. Um, just Unfortunately, there's, there's not a ton of SEC football left, but uh, I'm going to savor every game we got left. Well, I'm, I'm going to ask you this question, too, Mike, because we were talking about bowl games, and I think if you're a college football fan, you're going to watch bowl games no matter what, and you're going to watch as many as you can no matter what. But I'm curious to ask you, for you and your going into bowl games themselves, forget the playoffs, for bowl games themselves, are you more excited about bowl games now than what you were before? Are you less excited, or are you always been the same? You always love bowl games no matter what. Yeah, I, I mean, it's a fair question, and to be 100% honest, I think I'm less uh, enthused about them, but uh, that doesn't mean I'm not enthused about them. You know, I mean, there's, there's just so many dynamics at play. Uh, I, I certainly know that if you lose it, you know, I think the perfect example is last season, uh, Arkansas and Kansas. I mean, I mean, what a game that was, and maybe that was a sign of things to come because Arkansas got up big. I know I was running my mouth on Twitter, and then Kansas has this epic comeback, and had Kansas beaten Arkansas, I'm Sam Pittman may be fired today. Like, I, like I do think it has a big effect because I think it would have been a complete off season of negativity. But had they won that game, uh, you know, obviously things didn't go right this year, but it just would have been more negativity. Uh, so I, I do think they have a big impact, and it's something that that we talk about months and months after they've happened. What do you think about the situation with the college football playoff? Of course, if Florida State gets in, which they were left out, if they get in, that means the SEC is left out as a whole. But Alabama able to knock off Georgia. They get the spot, and Florida State is left out. So what do you think overall? Yeah, I mean, it's just such a stupid system that we can have an undefeated team. Think what you want about Florida State, that they didn't get in. I think they deserve a right to – to prove it, but honestly, I think Texas and Alabama have a right too. Um, now they didn't win all their games, but their path, I think, uh, I think they're certainly better teams than Florida State. So from that angle, I understand it. If I'm Florida State, I'd be furious too. But I mean, look no further than, uh, and again, point spread shouldn't dictate playoffs or anything like that. But there are two touchdown underdogs to Georgia. Uh, in their bowl game. So would they have really won it? I think it's highly unlikely they would have won it. But I think you could say the same thing against about TCU last year, and they stunned us all and beat Michigan. Now, they didn't come close to beat Georgia, but at least they had that opportunity. And if nothing else, that's why I'm kind of glad we're going to this expanded playoff to where more teams will have an actual opportunity to prove it on the field. Mike, I think I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyways. So who do you like of the four teams that are in it? Because, uh, you know, there's people who feel good about all different teams for all different reasons. But as far as winning the championship and the matchup itself in the championship game, who do you like? <laughs> all you had to see was Michigan bemoan the fact that they had to play Bama <laughs> to know they're not going to put up any resistance. I, I don't think. I think Bama crushes Michigan. I think the better game is probably going to be Washington-Texas. Uh, but I even like Texas to win that one. So I, I think we're getting a re, rematch in Houston, national championship, Alabama, Texas. And I would kind of lean Alabama just because I think they're a, 
they're obviously a lot better than than they were when they met week what was that week two of the season. But I wouldn't pass put it past Texas either because Sarkeesian clearly has got something figured out on Nick Saban. So I think that's going to be one heck of a game. I really do. Mike, did you continue to put out SEC power rankings for postseason, or is that something that ends with the regular season? Oh, yeah. No, I'll definitely be putting out more uh, all throughout the off season. whenever there's a big marker, like after the portals closes, after the bowl games, after signing days, things like that, after spring football. Okay, so after the bowl games, nothing, nothing before. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah, because I, I was wondering with, uh, you know, your power rankings too, just trying to keep up with the transfer portal. I don't know how anybody does it, and it and it's just it's like almost funny where, for instance, we're, we'll just use Arkansas as an example. You know, the offense was pretty bad this past year for Arkansas. There's no question about it. But next year, it's, it could be like a completely different team. Like everybody be different. We know Rocket Sanders is already entering in the portal. We'll see with KJ Jefferson, even though there was a report he was in the portal, but then he wasn't. So it's like it, it's just amazing how much college football's changed in a lot of ways, but specifically how the portal has just made it to where you can have one team one year and a completely and totally different team the next year and go from being a good team to a good, uh, a bad team to a good team immediately. Right, and the same thing, I think we had this conversation many times during the offseason was, well, Arkansas's defense, can't, it literally cannot be any worse. And I'm sitting here looking at, you know, in my mind, Travis Williams, I thought that was a good hire, but I thought that was a downgrade from Barry Odom. And I'm not seeing a lot of stars on that defense yet. You nailed it. I mean, because they were better. Now, they they were far from the elite. I think they kind of ran out of gas by the end of the season. But if you would have told me the defense Arkansas had this season, if if I had known that in the offseason, I would have said, well, my God, Arkansas is going to win eight, nine, maybe ten games. You know, unfortunately, it was the other side of the ball that was just a train wreck. But with Bobby Petrino here, I think we can safely say, you know, regardless of who the quarterbacks are, the running backs, I don't think the Arkansas offense can be as bad as it was last year. Best hires in the SEC so far in the offseason, um, and it can include head coaches, coordinators, whoever you want to throw in there, who's, who's the best hire, who, who really hit it out of the ballpark as far as the best hire. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm trying not to be biased here, but I think it has to be Bobby Petrino. And that is, um, again, not. To, I don't think he's like the best offensive coordinator in the country or anything. But I can't. I've been doing this for a long time now, and I cannot think of a, a coach that has been on. You know, the fans are basically done with him. I mean, every show I do, they're asking me, "When are you going to do the emergency show?" Sam Pittman's fired, and then he hires Bobby Petrino, and it's Bobby. MF Petrino, and, and they're all aboard. Like, I, like, I've never seen a 180 like this. So, from at least a, from that perspective, Bobby Petrino, that's, that's a heck of a hire. I think just getting rid of Jimbo Fisher, I don't care who they replace him with, is going to be an upgrade because he's so awful. So, I think Mike Elko is certainly uh, a, a big plus. Um, but I got to be, you know, if I'm being honest, I, I don't understand the moves that Mississippi State is making with, with Jeff Levy. He just hired a defensive coordinator, Holt, uh, Coleman Holtzler. He was the uh, special teams coordinator at Alabama. Never called defensive plays in his life. I mean, we're we're just taking a huge gamble, and, and maybe that's where we're at in Starkville. But um, I I would think Mississippi State could do a lot better than a couple of big unknowns. 
Speaking with Michael Bratton of that SEC podcast here on Out of Bounds. Well, Mike, also about the Elko's hire at A&M. It seems like A&M's really happy with it, and the A&M fans are happy with it. Also hired Colin Klein as their OC. Do you think that uh, Elko can do at Texas A&M what Jimbo Fisher, Kevin Sumlin couldn't do? Is he the guy that could take him to the next step of getting them to contend for national championship? Because we all know about A&M and how much they have going for them as far as talent, facilities, money, and everything. But do they have the coaching now? to be able to take them to that level. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to say because Mike Elko has only been a head coach for two years, but I was very impressed with what he did at the turnaround at Duke. And while he was at A&M, that was the best they were under Jimbo Fisher. So, you know, I'm pretty confident that, that he can elevate that program. Now, what exactly does that mean? Are, are they going to win a national championship? They have the talent. I'm kind of... I don't. I, I got to see a little bit more from Elko before I go that far, but I would be pretty surprised if Mike Elko does not lead the Aggies to at least one college football playoff appearance. And of course, we're moving forward with the 12 team format, so I'm not saying there'll be a top four team anytime soon. But I certainly think they can. They have the talent. They should be in the top 12. Uh, you know, at, at least once, however long he's there. You think Riley Leonard is going to follow Mike Elko? No, because they're so heavily invested in NIL already with Connor Wigman, and he may not fit. I, I kind of think uh, with Colin Klein in, in his system, it, it probably fits Riley Leonard a little bit better. But I think they're locked in with Wigman. I, I think they really like him. And good coaches, you know, they they utilize their scheme based on the on the player. They don't force the player into their scheme. So uh, yeah, as long as they utilize Connor Wigman to his ability, I, I think they're fine at quarterback. And, and and that is one other thing I wanted to mention about Bobby Petrino I forgot to mention. Connor Wigman, Max Johnson, and then people probably were not watching at this point because everybody was fired and A&M was, was done with. But they had another guy, Jalen Henderson. You could argue three quarterbacks Bobby Petrino played with at A&M this year. They all had career years. And if I'm an Arkansas fan, that has given me a ton of hope that he'll do the same here in Fayetteville next season. So with that being said, I was going to go a different direction since you brought it up. Uh, is it is it KJ? Is it Criswell? Do they go into the portal and do it that way? Just if you could guess, who is it going to be the starting quarterback for Arkansas? Is it either KJ or Jacoby Criswell, or is it the field going into the portal? I think it's the field. But the fact that KJ's not, to my knowledge, in the portal already, I mean, I, I, I don't, I think that's kind of irrelevant because all these deals kind of get worked out behind the scenes anyway. Uh, but I, I, it's pretty interesting that he and he's got a month to do it, so he's probably not in any kind of rush. But you don't want to wait till the last minute because maybe all the spots get taken. But that is that is certainly interesting to me. I, I think I'd rather have KJ than the field, but. I also hear that uh, you know Arkansas is looking at guys in the portal at the quarterback position, including uh, I apologize I don't have his name in front of me, but the the guy from North Texas, where he's I think he was at JUCO and then ULM and then North Texas. Everywhere he has been, he has put up numbers. So he, you you have confidence that he can come in and be a, a one year kind of free agent because that's what it really is, and find some success. But do you really? It's still it's always a gamble, and I, I think it's less of a gamble with KJ Jefferson. So I, I'd like it to be KJ, but I think I'm gonna I'd lean the field right now. From the Arkansas perspective, you said 
KJ that, you know, that's the way they should go. But if you're KJ making this decision, what what's best for him? Mm. Yeah, uh, well, I would have to think that this Bobby Petrino hire kind of piqued his interest because Bobby Petrino's had a, a number of guys that he has developed in the NFL prospects. Of course, KJ heard that about Dan Enos, too. Mm. And, uh, you know, he did nothing but hurt his stock at Arkansas this this season and I don't know how much is that on KJ, how much is that on the coaching, but I think for KJ it's probably best to move on and find a perfect scenario where they have an offensive line that can protect them, where they have weapons that you can count on. Not that Arkansas can't get those guys, but I think with a one year left to prove it, I think you've got to pick an ideal scenario. And in, again, there's there's just so many unknowns with Arkansas. I don't know if it's in his best interest to stay there. And also looking at some of the quarterbacks, I know it's outside the SEC or maybe like technically it will be in the SEC next year, but like Dylan Gabriel from Oklahoma going into the portal. We got Kyle McLeod from Ohio State going into the portal. You know, for a while there, it always just felt like portal were backup guys that felt like they could start elsewhere or whatnot. But you're talking about two quarterbacks that started at big-time programs and had phenomenal years, and they're going into the portal. Like, like can you really explain that and really maybe what they're looking for? Because – I mean, being the starting quarterback of Ohio State seems like it's like one of the biggest things and biggest deals you could ever be. Right. Well, I, I can't speak much to the uh, Ohio State one, but I, I have heard they're trying to upgrade from him. So take that for what it's worth. They're probably in the mix for a big-time portal addition. Uh, but I think at Oklahoma, it's a little bit different story. Obviously, a, a change in offensive coordinator. But they have a, a freshman quarterback that is lights out. His name's Jackson Arnold. So I think they really want him to be the starter. And really, where we're at in this unique landscape of college football, you know, there's not unlimited money to go around. There's only so much to go around. So you got to pay Jackson Arnold in NIL. You got to pay Dylan Gabriel. And oh, yeah, we need help at receiver. We need help at, on the offensive line. Yada, yada, yada. We can't just allocate all this money to a backup quarterback, when you look at some of the schools that Dylan Gabriel is attached with, like in Oregon, that seems to be where everybody thinks he's going. You have to believe that he's going to command, at Oregon, I I would say over a million dollars. So there's just so much money to go around. And I I think that's we're in a weird, weird place in college football. But if if you have two quarterbacks, I think you have to kind of, you just have to go with one if you're Oklahoma, and I think that's what they did, and they, they went with a guy with multiple years of eligibility. Mike, this seems like a very different year as far as with the transfer portal. A lot of times, especially at the quarterback position, you see these players get into the portal because they didn't start, they want more playing time, they want to be in a better situation. This year we're seeing a lot of starting quarterbacks who played a lot of games at their previous school. They're in the portal, so what do you think the reason is behind – a lot of these starting quarterbacks want to move on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think every situation is unique. I really do. So it's kind of hard to put a blanket comment on that. But, um, again, I don't feel too bad for these coaches, particularly the ones at the high end that get all this money and these crazy buyouts. But a lot of these guys, particularly position coaches, that I can't imagine how tough of a spot you're in because it's, it's not just quarterbacks, but you're, you're really trying to figure out, you know, how, how many veterans do we need? If, if, if we're too veteran heavy, what about the freshmen and sophomore players that we just signed? They're going to leave. 
because they're going to go somewhere where they can get some playing time. What if we just go young and then we get on the field and nobody knows what in the world we're doing out here? Now, then we got to go back to the portal to add some experience. So it, it's just a wild, wild landscape right now. And some people I see are, are think that's awful, but I think to me it, it makes teams, I don't want to say at the bottom, but teams that are, are normally not competitive, like an Ole Miss, we've seen Arkansas. We've seen LSU under Brian Kelly. We've seen Tennessee, teams that would take years to rebuild. They could be flipped overnight. And if I'm, I'm a fan of anybody other than Georgia or Alabama, maybe Texas, then that gives me confidence that we can kind of flip our roster in an offseason and, and be completely confident on one side of the ball where we weren't the year previous. Mike, also another thing, too, I saw you uh, quote-tweet an article from David Ubbin talking about uh... – how college football is the only sport that conducts its offseason and postseason at the same exact time. And it's, you say it's going to get worse in 2024. What, what do you make of that, and, and why do you believe that as far as the chaos that has postseason and offseason happening at the same time? Yeah, well, uh, it's because we're all tied to this academic calendar. And I guess, you know, that, that was what this was all built around the school. And that's the last thing people care about now. I get it. Uh, I realize this is, I mean, it's, it's professionalized football at the SEC level, of course, but uh, with, you know, a, a semester starting in January, people need to, to be locked in so they can go to spring football and, and on and on so they can get on the field in the fall. But it, it's just, it's kind of nonsensical how we do all this. We do high school recruiting, we do the portal, we do, we, we do the playoff, you know, all at the same time, and it's going to get worse next season because we are going to have national signing day, early signing period, whatever you want to call it. We're going to have that the same time as we have the start of the 12 team playoff. So just imagine a world where Nick Saban is having to recruit these kids on a, on a Thursday and sign them. And then, Oh yeah, on Saturday, he's got to be in Pasadena because we got a, a college football playoff game. I mean, it's, it's getting wild and it's going to, it's only going to get more wild. Uh, in the seasons to come. So how do you fix it? How does that get fixed? Uh, I mean, I don't – the only way to really do it, and it, it's completely unfeasible because, again, we're going back to academics. I mean, can we start the uh, the spring semester in March? No, we cannot. So <laughs> I don't know how you fix this. Uh, otherwise, maybe you have the portal be year-round. Maybe you move the signing period. You, you know, we got to do away with the December signing period. Maybe make it in August. Maybe take it back to February. But again, if you take it back to February, we got players that are going to be enrolling in, in late December, early January. So um, it's it's very, very convoluted. And I, I don't know that there is a good answer. Well, either way, we're going to have to enjoy it for what it is because it's still college football and it's still chaotic, but that's part of its charm. And with bowl games, transfer portal, playoffs, all of that, it never ceases to amaze and entertain. But either way, Mike, as always, we appreciate you joining us. Great stuff. Enjoy the bowl season. Enjoy portal season, man. And we look forward to catching up with you later down the road. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And, and one thing real quick, next week, then we got the schedule reveal for the entire SEC. So throw right. that into the mix.